Hi, this is Tom Moore for the Great Big Beautiful Podcast. years ago have a guy who asked if I got my Star Wars tattoo because of my boyfriend who I was with at the time just speaking for for me I fought like to be accepted as a fellow nerd I like using the word fangirl but you're right in that it's kind of a double standard because if I see a website that says oh this site's for fanboys I'm like but does that mean you don't want me to visit here are your hosts Jamie Green and Justin Connors Welcome to the Great Big Beautiful Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at the GBB Podcast. Find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash the GBB Podcast. And I am Justin, and I'm here with Jamie. Hi. Hi. I, I need to start getting uh, descriptor words for you again. I was thinking of them yeah, the other day. You were, you know, we had a few weeks there where I had a different adjective each week, and it was really <laughs> awesome. I felt super special, and then it just sort of dropped off. And I haven't yeah. said anything, but like. Okay, you were hurt. I Yeah. Okay. I just didn't want to. I didn't want to say anything. Oh my god! Oh <laughs> uh, wow! So we're here for we're, we're here doing a podcast. Apparently, we are. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome. It's getting to that time of night where we're recording this at night, and I'm just like trying to think of things to say, and I'm just like, you know what? We're here. We're here to do a podcast. Words good. <laughs> It's funny. I was um, so completely off topic, but I swear it makes sense and it's not a non okay. total non sequitur. I believe you. Let's do it. So I'm doing this entire like I'm watching Star Trek through like mm-hmm. from the beginning. So once it hit Netflix, like everything, every episode ever, like I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna do this. So I watched the entire original tri- original series, and then I watched the animated series, and then I watched all seven seasons of Next Gen, and now I've just started Deep Space Nine, and like. I'm at the very beginning of season one, and I, I've never watched any of these shows. But this, the show I watched last night, um, the something happened on Deep Space Nine, and there was this virus going around, which made people lose the ability to think coherently. Mm-hmm. And so instead of talking, like they could still talk, but like just random words would come out. And yeah. so like they'd be in the middle of talking, just like I'm talking right now, and then suddenly they'd be like, book! game dark the night true sword (laughs) and so like the entire space station by the end of the episode was talking like this everybody was it was it was chaos because nobody could understand anybody um and so that's how i feel like at this point in the evening both of us are (laughs) like welcome to podcast dragon book word thing (laughs) and I feel like the wor- like I feel like the worst Star Trek fan in the world. I had no idea there was an animated series. I'm I'm a I'm a I'm a t- admittedly I just my Star Trek love is TNG and that's pretty much the place I've stayed. So well, I don't know. The <laughs> animated series is with the original cast and it is almost the entire original cast do the voices. Oh man. Um and it's it was two seasons and it it was I mean so I think I want to say like it was 1970 four or five okay. somewhere in there mid 70s is when they did it um 
Yeah, it's pretty awesome. I mean, the, some of them are, are, are really bad. Um, but there are some, some, and they're only half an hour each. And they're all on Netflix, at least here in the States they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are some episodes that the stories are just so on point and like just as good as any of the best, you know, original series or next gen episodes. Um, wow. I don't want to oversell it because the entire series is not fan- fantastic. And, and don't be given any spoilers. No, but there are a couple <laughs> episodes in there and um, sure. that are really worth being watching cool. the entire thing for. I mean, they're short. They're fun. Right. You know. Awesome. Uh, uh, this is nice. I had no idea. I'll, I'll be looking it up. You got to go check it zero out. Zero idea. There's this one episode, and I, I this is my highlight, I think, of all, like, the 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. I'm now in the 13th season of Star Trek that I'm watching, mm-hmm. and this, I think, is hands down my favorite moment of all 13 seasons. In mm. the animated series, there was an, epi- there was this, uh, an episode where the, um, the Enterprise computer sort of became aware and started mm-hmm. just like um, playing pl- practical jokes um, right through and um kirk got his uniform from the launderer i guess there's a launderer on the enterprise <laughs> and the the computer had steamed into his back kirk is a jerk <laughs> and so he was walking around the enterprise like walking around the bridge with the uniform and it said kirk is a jerk on his back and he didn't know and everybody was laughing at him and it was totally like the bully who's put the the sign on your back right. that says kick me and like just that moment right there. I was like, this is awesome. Kirk is a jerk. And they put this <laughs> on the show had is the enterprise's, you know, practical joke on Kirk. So that to <laughs> me awesome. is like the highlight of 13 seasons. <laughs> Probably says more about me than it does about Star Trek. Right. You're such a, you're such a jerk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this week, we have Amy Ratcliffe on the show, and we're and we just talk about a lot of geek stuff, Star Wars, uh, geek pop culture, different things like that. Jamie, why don't you tell us a little bit about Amy and who she is? Um, if you sort of are into um, following geeky people on Twitter, you probably already know who Amy is. She's very, um, very, very present on Twitter. Um, she writes for a lot of different websites. Uh, she writes for Nerdist. She writes for StarWars.com. She writes for IGN. Um, she writes for Comic Book Resources. And she just kind of covers the spectrum of of, 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 of geek culture. Sort of, you know, as wide a net as we cast here on the show is she probably casts a wider one in, in what she talks about and what she writes about. Um, she's very knowledgeable. She's super into... Um, into into what she writes about she you know she she writes from a place of love um and it's and she's a, just like a super fan so um it was great to just sort of have somebody on that we could just kind of mm-hmm. talk to and sort of geek out about and we talk about star wars a lot you know she's a huge star wars fan um and so it was great to just sort of just sort of pick her brain about a lot of this stuff and and it was just a great conversation all right so we're gonna play that for you right now enjoy Amy, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat. Thank you very much for having me on. Um, so I'm going to start off with conventions and cons. I know you're a big fan. You go to a lot of them. You write about a lot of them. Um, and right now as we're recording and as we're as people are listening, we're sort of at the beginning of what's considered convention season. Um, and I'm just curious. I'm wondering, do you have a favorite? I do. Um, I kind of have two favorites. I'm going to, I'm going to cheat a little bit because they're very different. Um, my ultimate favorite is star Wars celebration. Mm-hmm. Um, obvious, I have very strong feelings about star Wars, uh, which is something I, I wear on my sleeve 
well, quite literally, actually, because I have two Star Wars tattoos on <laughs> Um, but that convention also, aside from being about the, the franchise I love the most, has such a warm, it's kind of almost like family. Like when I go to that convention that I feel like I'm hanging out with my family that I mostly only talk to online and everybody is so chatty and friendly and I never feel frustrated there. Like I never get annoyed by crowds. Like it's just such a happy, it's a happy place for me. Yeah. Um, and my other one that's not Star Wars uh, is Baltimore Comic Con. Oh yay! That's where I live. So that's that's my oh, that's my hometown yay. show. <laughs> I I love that it's I like the size of it. I appreciate that, you know. Actually, until a couple of years ago, it was all comics. Like period, there yeah. weren't any media guests, and even now there aren't there aren't many media guests. But yeah. I like the creators were so accessible. Yeah, yeah. I think last year was the first year that they really had you know, sort of more than one. Two years ago, they had Peter Mayhew. Um, and I think he was the first time that they had anybody who was sort of not a comics or a graphic novelist, author or, or illustrator. And he was kind of in the back corner and he was just there. It wasn't a big thing. And then last year they had, you know, they had some Battlestar Galactica people. They had, you know, Ming-Na Wen. So they had, you know, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh, that's right. Um, but again, it was very, it wasn't, a main thing you know they had me fewer than five i think like media guests and they were just sort of off to the corner and they signed and they took pictures and i think they probably each had a panel but it's still the thrust of that show is that it's still very much a comic show and i love it it's and i and just talking to talking to not only fans but talking to the pros that are there it's like that show has it's held in such high regard by the pros who go because of that because it's not been been overwhelmed by you know, pop culture and media and television and Hollywood and everything. And it's what all these other cons used to be. Um, yes. Yeah. And I love it. I love it. Um, so I'm glad to hear that you like that. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I have not been to Star Wars Celebration. I was supposed to go to the last one and it fell through. Um, but that's interesting that you say that there's not really like lines and crowds aren't a problem there. Um, well, they exist, yeah. but they're not oppressive in the way they are at some place like, well, San Diego, certainly, but that's right. a special beast or New York Comic Con. Yeah. So, and maybe it's just that, I don't know, like it just feels friendlier so that even when I do get swept up in the crowd or in a line, I don't get as grumpy yeah. about it because I, that's, and that's probably partially because I'm surrounded by Star Wars and I just can't stop smiling. I think, I think of it like when I get to the end of any other convention, like the last few hours of the last day, like it hit, I hit a wall. Yeah. Like I'm tired of being around people. I'm an introvert. Like I'm just over it. But that doesn't happen at Celebration. And I think a lot of that probably has to do with because it's so such a narrow focus relatively. And I yeah. think everybody there has that in common. You know, if you go to San Diego or you go to New York, it's there's gamers, there's movie people, there's comic book fans, there's, you know, there's everything. Whatever you're a fan of, there's something there to appease you and to, and, and, and to appeal to you. And so there's not one thing that's sort of tying everybody together in the way that something like Star Wars Celebration is. And it's probably, you're right, it probably, I can see that it would give it a, like a much warmer atmosphere. So even if everybody's in a line or, or hanging out waiting for something, you immediately naturally have a connection to whoever you're next to because of that common love of Star Wars. Um, yeah, exactly. I went to D23 last year <laughs> thinking that it was probably going to be like that. And I had a great time, but the crowds 
um, kind of came as a surprise for me. Um, I wasn't, I don't know if you've been to D23, um, but it was very, not really overwhelming because it wasn't overwhelming in the way that like New York is overwhelming, but um, it was just, everything was a line. It didn't matter what you wanted. I mean, if you wanted to buy something, you, you had to wait in a line to get a ticket, which told you where you could stand in the next line. And if you wanted to get into a panel, you know, most people, there were five different lines and you had to figure out which line to get into. I mean, it was just, it was line chaos and I had a good time, but you know, my, my overriding impression of it coming home was that it was just lines, lines, everywhere lines. Um, which you, kind of, and you had a media pass for it. And I had a media pass, which means I could walk in. No, just, it's like, but it's useless there. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. It, it was, I tell you, if I didn't have one, I wouldn't go just for the line to get into the building in the morning because the lines literally wrapped around the Anaheim Convention Center. And with the media pass, you can just walk in. But there were the, the lines, and it was so hot. And the lines were wrapping yep. around the building. And there are three different lines, depending on what membership level to D23 you have. <laughs> And nobody, at, you know, seven o'clock in the morning, nobody knew which line was which when you were so far away from the actual entrance. And so people were standing hours in line in the wrong line and they didn't realize it until they got all the way up to the front. And that was a weird thing I noticed about that convention, even though I went to a few of them at Anaheim this year, specifically at D23, the staff could not have been less helpful. They didn't know anything. Yeah, it was, uh, it was. It's really confusing. I even had a hard time getting in because they, like you said, they don't nobody. I'm like, well, I have a media pass. They're like, we'll go to this line. I'm like, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> I need to, I need to be in an interview in ten minutes that they booked because I was supposed to get in early, like right. yeah, that kind of thing. Right, right, right. Well, that kind of leads me to, without you know, trash talking. Do you have a least favorite, and is it because of lines or crowds, or is it for something for some other reason? Oh man. Let's see. Um, I warmed up to D23 this time. The first time I went in 2013 was kind of a different story. Um, I think these days it's San Diego. Really? Yeah. I'm uh, skipping it for the first time this year in <gasps> 10 years. Um, I know. but uh, And it's because Celebration, Star Wars Celebration, is in London this year, the weekend before. Oh, and you're going to San that. San Diego, and I'm going to that. And some people are doing both, but uh, I don't. I'm old, and I don't bounce back <laughs> that seems from international rough. travel. <laughs> um, Such a big time more, difference. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, that's just a recipe for me ending up passed out on a floor somewhere in the, because of exhaustion. And so, yeah, I, I work San Diego. Yeah. And it's just, I don't, I, I work and I like the part where I work and I do some fun things, but overall, I don't look forward to it anymore. I just... Yeah. The crowds, like all of it, just eh. Well, it's funny. I so I went to New York. I've been to New York a few times, and I went to New York this past year and came home saying, "Never again. I'm never again going to New York because it was so awful. Just had a terrible experience." Um, but I'm going to San Diego this year, and I I went to San Diego a couple times years and years ago before it's become what it is now. Um, you know, this was mid 90s like when you could just walk up and buy a ticket to walk in that day you know and you didn't have to have everything planned out to the minute um but this year i'm going back and i have i have a press pass which is the reason why i'm going um and i noticed i, I remembered reading about this a while ago and i went back to read it again just today but on your blog you actually did a you know relatively brief but little peek behind the scenes of what it's like going to san diego as press and you wrote that a couple of years ago and so sort of 
<laughs> knowing that you're not going this year kind of I kind of can anticipate what you're going to say, but I'm wondering if anything has changed since you wrote that and sort of what I should expect other than just lines and crowds. Actually, no, it's pretty similar. It's just everything. It just doesn't seem like they could fit more people in that convention center each year, but they do. And I think part of it's because just around the convention center, even if you don't have a badge, there are so many other activities in the gas lamp quarter that people just come down. So people just come down and hang up, hang out without even being able to get into the convention. Yeah. So it's just a lot of, it just expend a lot of energy trying to get places. And when you're already working on top of that and you know, you have that separate energy where you have to be like turned on and professional and, yeah. you know, not incompetent. Like it just, <laughs> it just wears me down. <laughs> pretending like I'm not incompetent. That's going to be the hardest part, I think. <laughs> That's what I have a hard time with. I'm like, man, I got to pretend like I'm, I know what, what I'm doing. Exactly. For yeah. four days, like nonstop. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little intimidated. I'm looking forward to it um, just because I haven't been in so long. And, you know, like this is the con and I haven't been to it since it's exploded. Um, but just knowing what I went through and experienced in New York, I'm sort of kind of dreading it at the same time. Um, but it'll be fun. I think it'll be fun. <laughs> That's what I say. I'm like, there are fun things and it certainly is. I mean, it's a spectacle of nothing else yeah. to experience, but yeah. I'm uh, looking forward to not going. No, I, if, if I had a choice between Star Wars Celebration in London and San Diego, I think I would be making the same choice that you're making. So kudos <laughs> to you for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I felt pretty good about that. Decision. Yeah, you should. You should. <laughs> So we're going to kind of switch a little, a uh, little bit of a direction here and we have some, you know, funnish questions. Uh, so the fun first one, fun ish, wait, 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 a promise. Yeah. Right. Good time. Oversell, right. <laughs> um, so we have here, which, which character, it could be star Wars or anything else. It doesn't matter. Do you most identify with? Ooh, identify with that's different from like the best. Ooh. I might still go with my like the best. Let me ponder this for a moment. Okay. I'm, okay. Yeah, I'm going to go with like the best, uh, which is Ahsoka Tano nice. in Star Wars. I really respect the journey she went on in Clone Wars. And I, I, I don't know if, can I spoil the ending of Clone Wars? I mean, it aired yeah. three years ago. Yeah, so I think fine. that's it's fine. Okay. Or the end of season five. If you haven't seen <laughs> you know. Clone Wars yet, it's, your, it's their fault. <laughs> that's kind of unlike you. They've had enough time. The window has passed. But she had to make a really hard decision to at the end of season five to leave the Jedi order. And that's the only life she's really ever known. And it's the Jedi. Like if you look at, they're supposed to be, like, I don't know what else you could do. I think in that galaxy, if you know about the Jedi, why wouldn't you want to do that? I think that would be the top career choice at schools around the galaxy. Mm-hmm. Um, if, well, I guess they wouldn't be in schools around the galaxy because they I was gonna say like all they, the guidance they, counselors in the Star Wars galaxy would be like, have you thought about being a Jedi? Yeah, like, what's <laughs> happening with your midichlorians? Do you maybe they missed you? Um, anyway, so maybe that was the best. Look at that. But I, I admire, like, I learned that lesson from her, kind of that you know what? Sometimes things, even when you really want them they're not a good fit and it's okay to walk away if your beliefs don't line up with it. So I, I admire her for that and many other reasons. Yeah. It's funny when, when Clone Wars, well, I don't, I can't say when it first started cause I wasn't watching it when it first started, but like when I started watching Clone Wars, um, I really didn't like 
Ahsoka from the beginning, like the first half of the first season, like when she was introduced and she was there. I didn't I didn't really like her as a character and I don't know what it was. I can't really pinpoint what it was. She was pretty bratty. She was pretty bratty, but and maybe it was just the writing in general in that first season. Um, and because likewise, I can't really pinpoint where it turned for me. But it's suddenly like I went from like, oh, I can't stand that character to to like, I love this character. And you, you, I, so I totally agree. Like the arc that she went through and the journey that she went through, it really developed her. And now on Rebels, like I just love her. I love the character so much. And I think that, you know, with, especially in Rebels, because it's, um, you know, I talk about this a lot. You know, like my daughter is a huge Star Wars fan and she loves Rebels. And so she identifies with a lot of these, especially now, these fem- these strong female characters. And Rebels has a few of them, which is odd for Star Wars. Um, but even on this show with such strong female characters and Sabine and Hera, I think Ahsoka still sort of stands out as sort of like the one that I would look to and be like, yeah, that's the one that you want to sort of emulate. That's the one you want to look up to. Um, and I credit Dave Filoni with all of that. <laughs> yes. He's, he's a really excellent storyteller. He really is. Um, do you have a favorite Star Wars story? Legends, current canon, you know, stepchildren that nobody likes to talk about? <laughs> <laughs> um, just like as far as overall, the Clone Wars is definitely my, like that's my Star Wars. Um, it's not what I saw first, but it's what pushed me into being obsessed, I guess, mm-hmm. and exploring the galaxy more. But even with that, like there were arcs that stood out. Um, the Mortis trilogy arc is one of my favorite bits of Star Wars storytelling mm-hmm. um, across the films and series. I love that trilogy and I love how they explored the force. Um, so yeah, it's one of my, one of my topics. Awesome. So we, this is kind of a topic that gets uh, <laughs> discussed a lot and don't, we don't really want to debate too much, but in you probably of all people will have the answer to this. Which order should we watch Star Wars in? <laughs> oh <laughs> man. Um, my opinion, which I will not say is the right one, but it's what I prefer having, having tried a few different ones. Cause I end up watching, I end up doing marathons at least once a year right. for, for fun and for research, so to speak. Um, <laughs> the best kind of research. Which is kind of great, yeah. So <laughs> I like, um, I guess the machete order is what they call it, but with episode one. So I do four, five, one, two, three, six, um, and then seven, I guess. That's going to have to be a thing to consider. But right. So for people who aren't familiar with the rationale behind that order, how, like, how did that come about? And why do you think that that's the best order sort of to, to scramble them up like that? I'm not sure who was the first person who came up with that, even though I think that is a thing that is on the Internet somewhere. Yeah. Oh, it is. Yeah. And I can't um, remember the person either. But yeah, it is the machete order. Yeah. Um, but I like first of all, I keep episode one. I know people say that it doesn't bring any value, but they're <laughs> wrong. I know it's frustrating, especially like I actually don't mind Jar Jar, but baby Anakin can't stand him. Yeah. Just want to slap that little I am kid. right with you there. <laughs> um, but you see, you know, Darth Maul, that's important. Qui-Gon, I think it's important to see that kind of Jedi. He's the first kind of, he's the first Jedi we meet outside the original trilogy. And he's kind of a roguish a little. Mm-hmm. And I, I think there are important elements in there. So keep that. And I like 
wedging the prequel trilogy in between episodes five and six, because you get to a point. I think for me, one thing it makes really strong is you've watched Anakin, you've watched him fall, screw up and become Darth Vader. And then when you see Luke for the, I think when you see Luke for the first time in Return of the Jedi, he's wearing all black. He's walking into Jabba's palace. He's force choking a Gamorrean guard. You're like, wait, yeah, like it's, I don't know. Like, I feel like it kind of drives that tension and then, and Luke's journey a little more by seeing what happened to Anakin. That is interesting. And it's funny because we've, I mean, we've all seen these films so many times. It's, you forget that he went through so much between those two films. Um, and that you're right. When you do see him at the beginning of Jedi, he's a completely different character. Uh, he's grown so much. And it is, it's interesting that I guess I've never really quite put my finger on, on, on that before now, but it's like that you're right. It's like you, the way you saw him at the end of Empire is like he was sort of coming into his own, but then at the end of Jedi, at the beginning of Jedi, like he's, he's completely self-confident and he knows what he's doing and he has a plan. Um, yeah, so you're right. It does. Seeing Anakin's journey sort of helps shed some light on on that journey that Luke had begun. Interesting. Yeah, and then I think it also makes Vader's, what happens with Vader at the end of Jedi, a little yeah. more relevant because you recently, you more recently watched what happened to Anakin. So by the time you get to his redemption, it's just a little more fresh in your mind and I think yeah. it hits a little harder. Yeah. Um, there are, I mean, from the second that, the first showing of Force Awakens ended, and even before then, I mean, there were fan theories galore about where we're going to go after this. Um, and so I don't want to dig too deep into the whole fan theory thing because that's not what we do. But you as a fan, where do you hope the story is going to go in episodes eight and nine? You know, I really hope we see, I think it's a pretty dramatic thing that Luke Skywalker kind of left the world and I hope we see why that happened and kind of the the psychological side of what he's been going through. And I hope we see, I don't know, like I'm so open. Like I'm like, I wonder if Ray will go bad and Kylo will be the one who bends the one who ends up redeemed. Um, do you think, because I've heard some people talk about that and I also think that that would make a really interesting story, but do you think that that would be a betrayal of the audience's trust if that were to happen? I think it would have to be played out, right? Because it's not necessarily what I want to see, but I recognize that it could, like you said, have interesting story consequences. Yeah. So depending on how it played out and if they earned it, um, I think I would be okay with it, but I really am protective of Ray, so I might not be. <laughs> right, and that's the, that's the reason why I ask, is because so many people have really just clung so closely and they've, they've just gripped onto this character um, and I'm wondering if that's the direction that they were to eventually go, whether whether people would automatically, you know, recoil at that, sort of push it away and be like, no, you, that's wrong. You're not supposed to do that. I don't like the way that you're telling this story. Even if it is a good story, they might just instinctively push back. Yeah, I think you're right in that people would not be yeah. would not be super thrilled about that, regardless of how it was done. Yeah. Um, cool. OK, so. One of the things that I've sort of, and I don't know where this came from, but I've just sort of started asking a lot of people. Um, I don't think that it's too far outside the realm of possibility for there to be a Star Wars show on Netflix, um, just because of the model that Disney and Marvel have been setting up. So if it were up to you, if they called you up to write it, if you were to be involved, what 
kind of show would you, what kind of Star Wars show would you want to see on Netflix? Knowing the, the different storytelling possibilities, the different audiences that they're targeting and what is possible. Um, go. If they were just given up, given to you, where, where could you take that show? <laughs> I got this rogue squadron series. Nice. <laughs> I just want, I mean, those books and legends, I really enjoyed the X wing books, but I think if you, had a series that was a kind of like Top Gun-ish uh, day-to-day life fighting the war with the pilots, I'd be so on board. And they could, uh, if they wanted to go the, dark, the darker route with Netflix, I think I think that tone would work well, very well for that kind of story. I totally agree. Now, like, I want I want to start to, like, use that as my answer. But I'm still, I'm still sticking with I'm still sticking with mine. Wait, what? What is yours? What is yours Jamie? I want to I want to see a show that focuses on um, bounty hunters, uh, specifically like female bounty hunters. You know, like I want to see back to where like like you know Sabine's history and like the people that she knew and and maybe some you know brand new characters that we've never known about. But like I want to see like some underworld and I want to see it doesn't have to have Jedi or really any sort of connection to the stories that we we know already. But like just some like really down and dirty stories of people just, you know, these, these bounty hunters just scraping by and picking up jobs and doing dirty things that things that they don't want to talk about. And I just think that would be an incredibly cool story. I agree. Like, I'm like, I want to watch that right. (laughs) Except I think Jamie wants it done in like a Xena princess warrior style. No, I never said that. (laughs) I would actually possibly, I mean, there's a certain amount of fun to be had with that. Um, yeah, and you know the uh, I'm blanking. I, I I should have had this. The perfect weapon, the short story that was um, that was oh. about that was about um, and we have to edit this out because I should have known her name. Um, Bazine. Bazine. Bazine Natal. So yeah, the perfect weapon, the short story about uh, Bazine Natal, who was sort of just a background character in Force Awakens, even though she had a line. Um, that sort of solidified it for me. I'd been thinking about that before I read that story, but once I read that story, I just, yes. I was like, this, put this story could be your, your first episode on that, that show. It would be awesome. That's <laughs> th- it right in. I think for me, and it, and it probably couldn't happen because Harrison Ford is so iconic as Hansel. I'd love to see a show about Hansel's travels, maybe before we ever met him in the, in the three episodes. The, I don't know. Well, they're making the movie. They're making the movie, but I'm just saying a show. We're talking about a show. A show. Come be, on, a show would be good. I, I, like, I, just, I just think want it'd be more fun. Han Solo. Yes. <laughs> well, I think it'd be fun to see just you know his his you know different situations he's come across, not necessarily in the same you know with the same characters or anything, but you know just it, who he was before before he was brought into the world or something. I don't know. <laughs> so that uh, it's not a very developed idea. <laughs> no, it's, a, it's a good idea, but it, it makes me think. Between that and you know, we knowing that we are going to get the young Han Solo movie, do you think that we're going to see the Kessel Run? And I don't know if I want to see the Kessel Run. I kind of like it being this mythical thing that nobody right. really knows what it is. That'd be cool. I think we could, but I'm with you. I don't need to see that. I don't I need to see it. Some, yeah, there's some things I just want to left like I wanted in my imagination and not on the screen. We can we can make new stories. We don't have to keep referring back to the original trilogy. Um, Agreed. Yeah. Who's your geek icon? Ooh, um, that's a great question. Um, I think this is probably a boring answer, but I'm going to go with Felicia Day um, mm-hmm. because I admire her work ethic and that she works in a field she loves and she creates. 
and again, like I, I really admire passion and dedication and yeah. she has that in spades. Absolutely. Um, I'm curious to know what your thoughts are concerning the terms fanboy and fangirl. Um, one has sort of become derogatory and the other is very much the opposite. It's become celebratory. Um, and I'm wondering, does it matter? You know, I mean, should, should, should it be a goal for, for us all just to be fans or should we instead be celebrating those differences? And so if, if somebody identifies as a fangirl or if somebody identifies as a fanboy, we should be celebrating that. Or, you know, do you give any credence to the, you know, it doesn't matter if you're a fanboy or a fangirl. We're, we're just fans. We all like the same stuff. I think at this point and kind of where we are and that it has taken, you know, it's only been recently, maybe in the last five or so years that it's not been a weird thing mm -hmm. to see, geek, you know, not to even see girls at conventions because women have been at nerdy conventions since they started, but more to also for, for people to recognize and for society in general to recognize that, oh, like, obviously, of course, there are there are geek girls, girls who are geeks right. who are enjoying things. Um, and we've only, like I said, recently started to like accept that idea and to move away from quizzing those women. Right. It's thankfully been a while since I've since I've had someone try to make me prove my knowledge about something. Um, right. Even though I did once at celebration a few, like maybe four years ago, have a guy who asked if I got my Star Wars tattoo because of my boyfriend, oh, who I was with on. at the time, <laughs> and I didn't. So that's rare. Yeah. So because of kind of, I feel like. Just speaking for, for me, I thought like to be accepted as a fellow nerd, I like using the word fangirl. Mm -hmm. But you're right mm -hmm. in that it's kind of a double standard because if I see a website that says, oh, this site's for fanboys, I'm like, but does that mean you don't want me to visit? Right. <laughs> so uh, I have mixed feelings about it. About it. I think that eventually we should all strive towards just being called fans. I think that we're still kind of being affected and bound by decades of stereotypical categorizing and putting dudes in one bucket and ladies in another one. Mm -hmm. And that we're just starting to come out of that. And I think it's going to be a little bit before we get to just being fans. And until then, I like saying I'm a fangirl. It also... I come across young women still, and I, by young women, I mean little girls who don't feel comfortable wearing their Batman backpack to school or whatever it is. And I'll run into them with their parents. Maybe their parents know my work or something at conventions. And they'll be like, oh, like she saw you're really into Star Wars and you're really loud and proud about or that and all the geek things you're into. So she thinks it's OK. Mm -hmm. um, so I kind of like identifying as a fangirl for anybody else out there who might feel isolated and alone and loving what they love, uh, any other females. But you're right in that I think we should, at the end of the day, we should all just be fans and the gender right. shouldn't matter. Right. And, and something too, Will, when we have Will Wheaton on, he was kind of talking about this a little bit. And in the geek realm, I don't know if it happens so much now, but it did, it did years ago. Uh, people that are just kind of coming into geekdom, sometimes feel afraid to say they like something because maybe they don't know everything about it and they don't want to be ridiculed. And I guess for me, that's something that I'd like to see, you know, encourage people to get into it and 
it doesn't matter if they don't know everything there is to know about Thor or Batman. <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean? They can still Agreed. be a fan of it. And yeah. for me, that's something that I have a hard time because I, I am the type of person where I ha- I like a lot of things. I don't I don't kind of hone in on one thing. I have a big range. So sometimes I'm I'm afraid, not afraid, but I don't I don't want to tell people, yeah, I'm a Star Wars fan because then I'll I'll get even I'm not I'm not a woman or a female that gets questioned, but I'll get questioned. You know, well, what about blah blah blah? And I'm just sitting there like I don't know about that. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking I about. I <laughs> totally hear you. If I could. <laughs> get rid of any two words in fandom or com- combination of words, it would be true fan or real fan right. mm-hmm. Yeah, because I just, that kind of gatekeeping and it yeah. just, yeah, like, we need to include everybody. Yeah. We need fewer gatekeepers and it's, it's, I mean, this has been talked about and written about <laughs> to no end. And, you know, I'm not saying anything new, you know, but it's, you know, it's, it, the irony is, is killing me that, you know, for years and years, um, you know, geeky interests, comic books, superheroes, Star Wars, these things were not generally accepted mainstream. You know, we were, you know, nerds and geeks in elementary school in the eighties were, you know, they were the ones who were getting bullied and picked on and said, you're, you know, you're, you're a loser, you're whatever. And now that it's become more mainstream and people are liking the same things, those same nerds and geeks feel the need to gatekeep and be like, well, you're not a real fan because you didn't grow up in the eighties and get bullied. And it's sort of like the roles have been flipped and, and it's, it's completely unfair. And it's the, the people that it's most unfair to are, is the younger generation, you know? So it's, you know, there's no way my kids are ever going to get up to speed on 80 years of Batman history. You know, they're, they're now going to get up to speed on 50 years of Iron Man or Captain America. But you know what? They can sit down and they can watch all the movies. And if that's the only thing that they know and they fall in love with those characters in that world, then that's cool. You know, of like course. they're not less of a fan because they don't know what happened, um, you know, to Bucky Barnes and, you know, issue four <laughs> you know, 425, you know, whatever. It's like, you know, it's, it's, so I, all, long story short is, I totally agree. There is no such thing as a true fan or a real fan. I mean, if you like, we can all like the same stuff. We can like different stuff. We can like it for the same reason. We can like it for different reasons. And there's nothing wrong with any of it. Agreed. <laughs> like, and I don't like it's yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Well, I, I was just going to make a joke. I was going to say, for example, Jamie, <laughs> if you think uh, uh, Thor's eyes are dreamy, that can be enough. You can be a fan. Exactly. Yes. I have no problem with that. You know, if the only reason you like Thor is because of uh, what's his name, the actor, um, then then that's fine. Yeah, Chris Chris Hemsworth. If if he's the only reason you like Thor, then cool. And if the only reason you like Iron Man is because you like Robert Downey Jr.'s attitude and the way he he brought Mm -hmm. the the character, the way he brought him to life, then that's cool. Then you like that. And you know what? We can share that, and we like we have that in common. You might not have ever read a comic book, but who I don't care. You yeah. know what I mean? Like nobody says this about like Shakespeare. You know, no, no, no Shakespeare fans are be like, oh, you like the, the Lawrence Olivier version? Have you ever read the original Shakespeare folio? You know, nobody says that. It, this is such a thing that's that's, that's so, so true. Yeah, like it's such a thing that's so fo- like laser focused on this on geek popular the geek side of popular culture that it's it's it would be laughable if the way people were acting were like transplanted onto any other right genre you know yeah like nobody fights about the best version of little women you know or like whether you read the original or or just like the movie it's like nobody cares 
I have had some pretty passionate discussions about Pride and Prejudice, however. Well, that's a completely different story. <laughs> Everybody has their own favorite Darcy, right? Well, of course. No, because Colin Firth is the only Darcy anybody should ever... So I've heard. <laughs> yeah. um, you, you, are a, you make your living writing online. Uh, you're a pretty f- high-profile writer, and I think that it's never been easier for sort of a young writer or somebody sort of just trying to say, I want to be a writer. I want to break into do whatever it is you want to write about. It's never, it's never been easier to get your words out there. Um, but at the same time, it's never been harder to sort of make a living and find an audience. And so as somebody who has found the secret formula in quotes, I'm sure people, um, ask you for advice and I'm just wondering, what do you tell them? Absolutely. It's, you know, I was kind of saddened to learn this, but it's a lot of hard work. Um, sometimes you just want think you're like, oh, this is going to be easy. I'm just going to, it's not. Um, so, so be prepared. Uh, you know, there's especially writing for the web, to be honest. Uh, it's getting better, but it doesn't pay super well, especially when you're starting out. So I juggle between about nine or ten different clients most of those are websites. Um, I write for a magazine as well, Star Wars Insider. And sometimes I'll pick up random, you know, I'm very fortunate that a lot of my work is nerd centric and pop culture centric, but sometimes I'll pick up like the odd copywriting gig once in a while. That's Mm -hmm. not super exciting, but that pays better than writing for the web. So, you know, I've been full-time freelance for about two years, a little over two years. And I was writing, getting paid in writing, I think maybe two more years before that, but I also had a day job to pay bills, obviously, because paying bills is important. I like, I like eating. <laughs> like having of, a bed to go home to at night. You know, yeah. just a few things. I like being able to buy some Star Wars toys, there priorities. <laughs> so I started initially with my own blog on Blogspot, which PS don't use Blogspot, please do WordPress <laughs> or something else. I could go back and do that over. And when I first started, I think it's like 2009-ish, I made sure like I published my articles on a variety of topics, uh, a variety of formats. So I did interviews, reviews, listicles. I tried my best to make sure it was all professional as far as grammar and spelling. And then I, you know, and then I started networking ish kind of on Twitter and meeting editors. And then I had like a history on my blog so that if anybody did want to talk to me about work, I kind of had a portfolio like, oh, here, like, I mean, I can pull out samples too. And I did. But I think it's good to have some sort of track record to show people that, one, that you're capable of writing, that you can do different things, and that you have the discipline to do it, I guess, even when you're not getting paid. Yeah. And eventually, that kind of just built up work very slowly. I started working for, I think IGN was one of my first paid gigs, um, doing reviews for them. And I wrote a little while for a few websites that didn't pay super well, but they allowed me to get used to the, because web writing for the most part is also very fast turnarounds. Mm -hmm. So the news, especially if you're writing any, anything newsy, it flies by so quickly that you have to get to practice those skills because the faster you get it up, the the better traffic's going to be. And that's going to be valuable for you if you're trying to do your own website or anybody who wants to hire you. Right. And then uh, it was just, yeah, plugging along and picking up people more paying work along the way. A lot of hard work and just stick to it. Um, yes. uh, this something you mentioned, um, sort of 
raise this question, and I know this has been talked about a lot too. Um, what are your thoughts about working for free just to sort of get that experience and get those clips that you could then show to other clients? Working, working for exposure. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Better than, yeah. It sounds better than working for free. It does, <laughs> slightly. Um, I think right now, if you would have asked me this maybe even two years ago, my opinion would have been different. Um, but it kind of, it depends on circumstances. But overall, I am not in favor of working for free, especially especially when it's for a big company, <laughs> Huffington Post, who, <laughs> like, they, it's not like they don't have money. Right. It's... Oh not like they can't pay you and i know people will tell you but you'll get your words so many more people you reach a different audience and that's accurate but you're giving them your work for for nothing and how much of that audience that you reach how much of them are going to come like how many people are going to come follow you right. and not just continue and i mean any people you have reach your work is valuable i'm not saying that it isn't so even if only two people who found you on huffington post come look you up on Twitter and, and find your other work. That's, that means something, but overall just value yourself. I know in the beginning, I certainly, I worked a little bit for free or, and definitely for not very much money, but, and going back, I don't know like how much that helped or hurt me, but, but now the advice I give is, you know, if it's for a fan site or for a friend, sure, whatever, like right. write guest posts, have fun. But if, if you're doing it for a company that's, it has some kind of accounting department that probably has a budget. <laughs> Ask for something. I, right. I think that's important and I well, don't think it's unreasonable. I think, I think that's something that a lot of people are afraid to get into too. We, we, I have a, we're, I'm in this big dad bloggers group and we talk about this often and something, a lot of guys that are just new at it or, or women, whoever, um, they don't realize these companies often do have budgets <laughs> when they're, when they're reaching it and it doesn't hurt to throw it out there. You know, I, I charge X amount for a post. Oftentimes they'll come back. You'll be surprised. <laughs> they'll come back with, "Okay, that's cool. We'll pay you that." <laughs> yeah, and sometimes if you, and if you don't ask, it's that it's something that I actually struggle with very much. If, mm -hmm. if you don't ask, why would they? They're no, not. Gonna, they may not offer it to you. Why would they spend money they don't have to? No, exactly. And, and if you don't ask and you're writing for nothing, and then you submit two or three, then it's really kind of hard to go back and ask. And they're mm -hmm. why would they? They're not really that inclined to start giving you money then because you've already shown that you'll work for free. Exactly. So there are exceptions, of course, but I think in general, no, ask, get what you're worth. Yeah. Value yourself. It's probably yep. the best, the best lesson that I've been told is value yourself, value your time, you know? Yeah, exactly. Especially when you're full-time freelance, because I know that it's such a cliche, but your time is money and mm -hmm. it's really easy to, it's, and it's actually even harder when you're full-time freelance because it's hard to say no to work. Yeah. Um, but if it's, if it's work, that's not, you know, helping you buy more Star Wars toys. <laughs> Maybe you should reconsider. <laughs> There's the best piece of advice. That, that just beat value your time. It's, it's yeah. you know, if it doesn't help you buy Star Wars toys, it's not worth it. Like, why bother? But P.S. Don't, don't also let them pay you in Star Wars toys. Yeah. That's yeah. not good to go either. Although yeah. once or twice is okay, but not as like a regular <laughs> thing. Uh, yeah, I'd go along with that. That's true. <laughs> um. You're a you're a fan of of the Disney parks, right? I'm not oh, making very that much. Up. No, very much so. I just went to Disneyland a few days ago. Is there an attraction that you absolutely have to do every time you're there? Yes, Storybook Land canal boats at Disneyland. I would never have thought that. 
I love miniatures. I know because most people are like Star Tours, obviously. I'm like, well, I do really enjoy Star Tours and Indiana Jones. Yeah. But that ride is just so charming and I love princesses and I love all the tiny castles and there are ducks that walk around it and they're like normal scale. So they're ducks walking. Exactly. I just, I love every bit of it. It's just charming. I I do love that ride and I love going through the whale's mouth and I think it's, it is super awesome, but I don't think that I've ever heard anybody say that that's their favorite ride. It's interesting. Jamie, we're on a, we're on a, podcast named after the carousel of progress can't be that out of the realm <laughs> oh, that, that is true fair point fair point because that is when i go to uh when i go to disney world um when i go to the magic kingdom the carousel of progress is i have to do it <laughs> so yeah. that's probably Aww. just as weird to some people <laughs> mine over there is a people mover yeah since yeah. we don't have it here yeah um we're going to round out with um, a bunch of questions that um, quickly just say the first thing that comes to your mind when we when we say it. Is that okay? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Let me let me stretch and get ready for this. All right. <laughs> all right. Justin, let's go back and forth on this. All right. All right. So don't slack. Do you want me to right. start or you start? You can you, start it. That's fine. No, you go ahead. I'll do the second oh, one. Okay. Okay. Favorite thing about the prequel trilogy? Qui Gon Jinn. Least favorite thing about the original trilogy? Jabba and A New Hope. Well, special editions. That's good enough. Ray or Leia? Ray. Sorry, Leia. <laughs> <laughs> I feel so guilty for saying that. Um, Han Solo or Poe? Oh, oh, I hadn't thought about that before. Oh, Han Solo. Um, what Desert Island album? Oh, um, hmm. Oh, that's hard. Um. For some reason, the Moulin Rouge soundtrack popped into my head. I have no idea why. <laughs> That's a solid choice. That's cool. But, but let's let's go with that. All right. I, <laughs> I don't like know. Maybe, maybe after like the hundredth time, I might get sick of it. But it's a solid choice. I, I, I like it. <laughs> you can instantly beam to any place on the planet. Where do you go? New Orleans. Favorite bad movie? Con Air. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's perfect. Um, favorite thing to do on a Saturday night? Stay home. <laughs> <laughs> Netflix. Right there. Probably Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> um, best interview experience that you've conducted? Oh, oh, oh man, there's so many to pick from. Um, I'm going to go way back, and I think one of the first times I interviewed Dave Filoni was before the season four premiere. Yeah, of Clone Wars, and we were talking about the Night Sisters. This is a long answer, sorry. That's fine. And um, I asked about the Bene Gesserit from Dune because they reminded me very much of the Bene Gesserit. And then I got to nerd out with Dave Filoni about Dune for like five minutes oh. on a red carpet. We, we, we shouldn't have been taking that long to nerd out about Dune. <laughs> it was that was like just a memorable experience. A most awkward fan moment. <laughs> With me as the awkward fan? Either way. Um, I've definitely had a moment. I, I did roundtables for Outlander at Comic-Con last year. And I don't know if you've seen Outlander, but it stars uh, Sam Heunan, who is a very buff, very attractive Scotsman. Mm-hmm. I, that kind of made me like, I've never, I was pretty awkward. <laughs> at that roundtable, I asked one question and it did. I'm just like, you know what? I'm just going to sit here from now on. <laughs> It's a little embarrassing. 
Amy, thank you so much for your time. This has just been, it's, we've had so much fun. Thank you very much for having me. This was a blast. Um, yeah. And so where can you, you've talked about this, you write for a bajillion different websites, but where can people find you? People can find me most often writing for Nerdist.com, StarWars.com, and Comic Book Resources. Those are my, my most prolific, most published places. Wow. I'm like, I don't know what words are. Why am I a writer? <laughs> and uh, I use Twitter extensively at Amy underscore geek. And that's always a good place to, to catch me to chat about Star Wars or whatever. Awesome. Or Sam Hewnan. <laughs> an outlander whatever for awkward van moments you go yep. follow amy <laughs> <laughs> I, should, I should make that my profile <laughs> thank you so much this has just been a, a great time yes this is a delight well that's it for this week on the great big beautiful podcast another week has come and gone and I think everyone's, I'm going to be sad about it. Shed a tear. We have to wait another week and for another episode. People are this, up in arms about this. Yeah, well, you know what? I got. I had a message today. I was tagged in, on Facebook. Um, a guy, he's a friend of mine named Corey Francis. And he was like, we're traveling to these, they're driving, his family's driving to Disney World. And they've downloaded Great Big Beautiful Podcast <gasps> episodes. And they're listening <gasps> on the way. Can you imagine? I feel so bad for his family. Yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> <laughs> but his wife, Kristen, uh, is I, I, I'm assuming he must listen to because he tagged me in it. Um, but she she comments to me regularly how much she enjoys it. So shout out to you guys. Well, thank you, guys. That's phenomenal. I feel if you have kids in that car with you, I feel bad for them because they're probably going to be bored out of their minds. <laughs> um, but that's amazing to think that. People are, you know, choosing to take us with them on their vacations and their road trips. And I don't even take us with me. No. My, my road trips, you know. I took I took us on a – when I went to Detroit flying, I took our Jonathan Frakes episode because I hadn't listened to it fully. So I needed to absorb it and it was a good place. What do you mean <laughs> you hadn't listened to it fully? You were there. Yes. <laughs> you do. Okay. So people that don't really know how it goes, the the, the second our interview's done, Jamie, you know this. It kind of goes out of our head. I, I, I had to listen to the Jonathan Frakes interview because I hadn't listened to it fully. But you sat there for no, the entire I conversation. I did, but it's like when you listen to it back, there's things I said and things you said that I don't even rem- remember yeah. it happening. It's just the the way it goes when you're doing a podcast, I guess. And as soon as we hit stop record on this episode, I'm going to forget we even had this conversation. <laughs> you're not even going to remember that we did the intro no. outro at the end. Not at all. That's why I have to keep like six lists. I keep lists of my lists so I remember where things are and what I've done, what I'm supposed to do. Because if I didn't, I would forget. I would forget to wake up in the morning because my memory is so bad. Right. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for coming by this week. We have a few awesome guests coming up, and we've put some of them up on our Facebook page. So if you want to go check it, I'm not going to say it here because you got to go and like the page and see it. <laughs> such a tease. Yeah, I'm such a I'm a I'm clickbaiting you to our Facebook page. So <laughs> go check it out. We have some pretty cool guests coming up. Um, and thank you as a, again I say this every week because I really sincerely mean it. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for taking us in your cars on your trips to Disney. Um, It means so much to us. And you're the reason why we do this and talking to cool people. But really, you're the reason we're doing this for you guys. And we love doing it. So thank you. Um, 
yeah, I don't know if you want to add anything to that, Jamie. That's good. That was, that was, that was beautiful, man. I, I have nothing to I, add. You can't be more eloquent than me. No. <laughs> I'm not even going to try. <laughs> so uh, once again, we are on Twitter at the GBB podcast on Facebook, facebook.com slash the GBB podcast. I'm Justin at 140 Justin C. That's a mouthful. Jamie. And I am Jamie at the Roarbots. All right, guys. Thank you so much. And we'll see you next week. This podcast has been a production of the Geek Dad Podcast Network. If you've enjoyed this content, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash geekdad.